I will be reading Philippians chapter 2, verses 8 through 11. Philippians chapter 2, verses 8 through 11. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Well, if you have your Bibles, please open up back to Philippians chapter 2, where we just read from a moment ago, and that'll be our text for this evening. Just let me start uh, by saying what a great weekend this has been and how impressed my wife and I have been with the Katy congregation, uh, with the families, the men and the women, the young people that make up this congregation. It's really uh, been a real treat for us to have been here with the brethren. And so I just want to say thank you for that. Now, you never want to oversell your lesson. Okay, that, that, that can be a really dangerous thing. And I try to be conscious of that. But I'm going to start in this way. If you understand what God's word is trying to share with us tonight, it's going to change your life. That's a, that's a pretty big statement, isn't it? If we understand this, it's going to, tra- it's going to change our marriages. It's going to change your elders meetings. It's going to change your relationships with your brethren. It's going to change your relationships with your neighbors and with your co-workers. It's going to change your relationship with your brothers and your sisters. It's going to literally change everything. How about that for a promise? So that means we're dealing with something really important tonight. The mind of Christ. You know, as a preacher, you get lots of comments and, you know, typically, you know, it was nice sermon. Uh, you know, I, I, uh, I really like your tie today. You know, they're, 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 they're not, not a lot, but, you know, nice haircut or, or things like that. But nobody's ever told me nice haircut. I don't know where that came from. It's wishful thinking is where it came from. But, 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 but to understand, sometimes as a preacher, you get weird comments. Is that right, John? Sometimes people will say things to you and you'll think, what? What? Was that a compliment? Were you insulting me? Are you on the same planet as me? I I don't don't even know what that means. And then they just keep right on going. Well, there's a story about about a young lady that on the way out of of services, she, she went by the preacher. And here's what she had to say. No context, just walking out the door. The answer's yes. Oh, well, okay, thanks for being here today. But the next Sunday, she did the same thing. The answer is yes. And the preacher was thinking in his mind, I don't know what in the world she's talking about. The answer is yes. She keeps saying this over and over. I mean, I don't know, but every Sunday, Sunday after Sunday, the answer is yes. So one Sunday he said, all right, I can't take this anymore. You tell me this every single Sunday. Every single Sunday you come past me and you say, preacher, the answer is yes. What are you talking about? She says, I know, I know that service is hard. I know that sometimes when you ask people to serve, it can be a real challenge. Sometimes, sometimes when you ask people to serve, they'll, they'll, they'll want to gripe about what other people are or aren't doing. 
So, so sometimes people will complain. Sometimes people will do it, but they'll have a bad attitude about it. Hey, I know that a lot of times when you ask people to serve, they just say no. What I want you to know is that if you ask me to do something that is within my power, that will also bring glory to the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? The answer is yes. If you need me to stack chairs over in the fellowship hall after everybody else has left, the answer is yes. If you need me to take, to, to, to take food to that family that, 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 that's sick and not doing well or could use some encouragement, the answer is yes. If, if you need me to teach that Bible class, you know that, that Bible class where there's 14 kids in it and there's that one kid that's in it? That's none of y'all, right? But, but there's that one. Listen, the answer is yes. I want you to know that if you call on me to respond to the word and the will of God, the answer is yes. And what she was trying to get at with that comment strikes at the very heart of what it means to be a disciple of Christ. And this is where we come to Philippians chapter 2, one of the most beautiful and challenging passages of Scripture in all of the New Testament. If you're not there, turn there. Paul says in Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 3, we talked about this quite a bit uh, as it relates to marriage, but I wanted to think about this passage just as it relates to every, every arena of our life. Where, where, Paul, where Paul begins by saying, do nothing, do nothing, excuse me, do nothing through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for your own interests, but also for the interests of others. It is one of the most countercultural statements you will find in the pages of the New Testament. And I say countercultural because we live in this culture, we live in this society that, that, that says you need to be looking out for yourself. You need to be elevating yourself above everyone else. And other people need to acknowledge your greatness or what you deserve. In particular, as, as Americans, that resonates in our minds. And Paul says, no, 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 Christians. Wait a minute. I'm calling on you to be light in darkness. I'm calling on you to be something different. I want you to esteem others better than yourself. So you're looking around the room. You're looking around the room and you're, and you're saying, no, this is not about what I want. This is about what they need. That attitude that will change your life. It will change your interactions. I think about how many people in our congregations are raising children. Are raising children that are not naturally their own. People that are raising children that they have adopted. Grandparents that are raising grandchildren foster parents that, 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 that are taking in children that, that, that need a home. Why do people do that? When we lived in Tennessee, when we lived in Tennessee, there was a family um, in our congregation that at one point they had almost 20 children in their home. Isn't that, I mean, that sounds kind of crazy, doesn't it? Because, I mean, if you ask me, do you know what I don't need right now? 
I mean, I'm 44 years old. The clock, the clock is wind, the clock is winding down, and and my, my children are about, I hope, are about to fly into freedom, and I'm about to hit the empty nest, that place of freedom. Kevin, you're feeling this, you're thinking about this. Don't let your daughter know it, but I know it. And and all, you know what I really don't need? A four-year-old. Like I'm, I'm not, I'm not thinking, man. I could really, I could. Now, I don't mind babysitting. I don't mind being grandpa, right? Spoil you, send you home. But, but, how, but that, 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 that early child-rearing stuff, what do we say? There's a reason that he gives them to young people? I mean, we, we begin to understand that? So why do people take these children into their home? Over and over again, probably many of you who have done that exact same thing. Because at some point, at some point, you looked at those children and said, what that child needs is more important than what I want. That is the mind of Christ. Why do people take time off of work to, 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 to function and to lead things like vacation Bible school or youth trips or church camp? I, I remember about four summers ago, we were out at Georgia Bible Camp. And I don't know if you've ever been to South Georgia, uh, but South Georgia is a, lot like South, is a lot like South Texas. It's really hot in the summertime. But we have one thing that I don't think you have here. We have our state bird, which, which is also known as a gnat. And they are just everywhere. It is miserable. And, and, and one of our members came up to me at church, and, and or came up to me out at camp, and he said, Oh, Wes, you just love it out here, don't you? And I thought, what? No, I have an air-conditioned home not too far from here. I can go to sleep. I mean, I mean, I, camp, is, camp is great. I met my wife at church camp. But I'm just going to tell you, these days, these days, there's not a part of me that says, whoo, I can't wait to go sleep with the gnats. I don't do that, okay? Why would I go? Why would I give a week of my time? Why would I sweat? Why would I? Because... Because I know what it can mean to those young people. And what they need is more important than what I want. That's the mind of Christ. Why do missionaries go and give years of their lives? I love hearing John tell me a little bit about the time that, that, that they spent in Tanzania. We've had some other friends that have gone to Tanzania and, and, and some that have went to Nigeria and, and, some, and some that have went to China and different parts of the world. Why do people do that? Why, why, why do people leave the, the safety of their own home and all the comforts that we have in our land and they go, they go to foreign lands where, 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 there, where there are foreign people and foreign languages? What's going to possess someone to do that? That's a really good question. And I ask that because I've never done that. I've never done that. I mean, I think, I, I think it's a big deal that I moved to South Georgia from Missouri. Okay? Why would people go halfway around the world? Because at some point, they looked at those people and said, what those people need is more important than what I want. Let each esteem others better than himself. This is what Paul means when he says, for me to live is Christ. I can go on to be with the Lord. I'm completely good with that. But for me to live is Christ. If I'm going to remain on in the flesh, it's not going to be for my own selfish pursuits. If it's about my selfish pursuits, I'll just go on to be with the Lord. Thank you very much. But for me to live is Christ. If I'm going to remain in the flesh, I'm going to serve others just as Christ did. Let others esteem others better than himself, even that person. 
Even that person that is so hard to esteem, other, to esteem greater than yourself. I'm not just talking about thinking more of what your mother needs than what you want. I'm talking about thinking more of what your neighbor and even your enemy needs than what you want. What would possess someone to live that way? Because it's a rare way of life. Can we all agree that that's not how most people live their life? Most people do not live their life that way. Many times even in the church, most people do not live their lives in that way. So what would possess, what would motivate someone to do that? You already know the answer. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. This is what it means to look like Christ. Christ who looked at you and who looked at me and He said, what they need is more important than what I want. Isn't that exactly what He did? Isn't that what we're being called to follow in? Sometimes we, 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 we play these games. Um, if you could go anywhere in the world, right? Let's say you, you could go anywhere, you could do anything. Uh, let's say that you had infinite power. What would you do? If you had all the money in the world, what would you buy? If you could snap your fingers and be somewhere else, where would you go? And for most of us, that's not, I mean, we don't have infinite power. We don't have infinite resources. It takes a long time and difficulty to travel places, right? But not Jesus. Jesus had everything. Jesus was in heaven itself. He was in the place that we all say we're living our entire lives trying to get to. And He chose to leave heaven and come to earth. Even as a man, even as a man, even in the flesh, that's how He lived His life. Not just for other people. That's how He lived His life for you. He looked at you and He looked at me and He said, well, Wes Hazel needs is more important than what I want. And, 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 and as I am the recipient of that great sacrifice... I am also to be motivated and challenged to walk in, the, in those same footsteps. Have this mind in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. You, you, you read John chapter 1 about who Jesus is. He is God. He is the Creator, John 1, Colossians 1. He's not just a good man. There is nothing that was created that he did not create. Everything, Paul would say in Colossians chapter 1, was created for him and by him. He didn't know you a thing. He didn't know me a thing. But yet he came and he lived and he died upon the cross. It's one thing to serve when you have to serve. I've tried to teach my children about, about what this means, and sometimes I, I will force them to serve, and, and, and I, want them, I want them to do it with a good attitude, right? But the, but the reality is they don't really have a choice, right? We're going to serve whether you want to serve or not. It's one thing to serve when you have to serve. It's entirely something else to serve when you don't have to serve, and you choose to serve. It's one thing to wash feet when your job is to be a foot washer. It's entirely something else to wash people's feet when you are the creator of all the universe. 
There's a difference. To take on the mind of Christ. We live in this world where we're so caught up in our own rights and what's due to us and what's owned and what's owed to us. And, 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 we, and we look at relationships sometimes and, and, and we struggle because, because we say, you know what? I shouldn't have to give up my preference for the weaker brother. I shouldn't have to do that. You know what? People should show me some respect and some appreciation for all the things I've done for other people. Those people owe me. They owe me. Do you know what I've done? It's just not right. Every one of us could probably make almost every one of those arguments about our relationships with others. Oh, by the way, Jesus could say all of those same things. Jesus shouldn't have had to give up heaven to come to earth for the weaker brother like you and me, but He did it. Jesus shouldn't, sh- should, should be showed a whole lot more respect and appreciation for the things that He is and the things that He did, but yet He doesn't receive that. Jesus could say, you people owe me, and He would be right. He would say, it's just not right that I have to die on the cross. And He would be completely 100% correct. He never should have had to leave heaven and die on the cross, but He chose to do that. And now He challenges us to make the same choices in our life, to put on the mind of Christ. The text says that He made Himself of no reputation taking on the form of a bondservant and becoming in the likeness of men. And being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Now, if I want to preach a sermon about being a servant, that's not all that controversial. The first shall be last, the last shall be first. You've heard these things, you know these things. You know, uh, my, my son's name is Deacon. We named him Deacon because he wanted, we want him to be a servant. That's not controversial at all, right? But how far are we, are we going to take this? Because my observation is when we talk about service, when we talk about the service of others, most of us are willing to sign up for that. That's why we're here. We actually want to serve. But we want limits on our service. We want to go so far, but we, we, you know, we don't want to go into what, what, what people would deem to be unreasonable service. And I think that's why Philippians 2 can be so powerful because he not only tells us that, that Jesus Christ left heaven and came to earth and made himself of no reputation, it says that he became obedient. How far did he take it? How far did Jesus take this thing? To the point of death. To the point of death. If he'd stopped right there, it would be quite the challenge for us, wouldn't it? But he didn't even stop right there. He goes even farther. Jesus took this thing to the point of death, even death of of the cross. We're not just talking about service and living for others when that's the fun thing to do. Sometimes service can be fun, can't it? Can't it? I mean, is it a true statement that we can that we can serve the Lord and we can have a good time serving the Lord together? I truly believe that. I truly believe that. It's a lot of fun to get together and, and praise the Lord and serve the Lord as, as a part of a group, but, but we're, we're, we're trying to mature, which we're going even farther, okay? I'm talking about the mind of Christ and serving others when you know that doing the right thing 
brings tears to your own eyes. And it's a struggle. Now, I'm, talking about, I'm talking about doing what is right. When doing what is right is something that you would literally plead with your Father in heaven above for some other answer. I'm talking about serving others even when it hurts. Serving others even or maybe especially when it costs you something. You see, one of the great mistakes that we make, I, I know that I have made, is, is this belief that God has called us to make sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice. You know, God, God wants me to sacrifice so much of my money. God wants me to sacrifice so much of my time. God wants me to sacrifice to give so much of whatever. And every time we come to one of those things, we, we make a decision. Will I do this or will I not do that? Will I be the sacrifice or will I not be the sacrifice? Will I give this or will I not give this? And sometimes we pass with flying colors and sometimes we say, nope, I'm not willing to do that. That's our mistake. Jesus hasn't called us to make a whole bunch of sacrifices. Listen, because this is going to change your life. It's changed my life. Or at least it's helped me in my spiritual walk. Okay? Jesus calls us not to make a whole bunch of sacrifices. He calls us to be the sacrifice. That's a game changer for us. He's not asking you to sacrifice something. He's asking you to sacrifice yourself. I am the sacrifice. Over the last decade, I don't know of any thought that has impacted me in my ministry and in my life and in my family more than, more than that one. Paul says in Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Now, you know the problem with living sacrifices, don't you? Right? The problem with living sacrifices is that living sacrifices crawl off the altar. That's the problem. We have to be willing to give ourselves to be the sacrifice. So sometimes in my mind, I will just, I will just say this over and over in my mind. I am the sacrifice. You're going you're to have to work yourself into this. Not when it's easy, but when, it, but when it's difficult. I want to be the sacrifice. Jesus came from heaven and He left earth and He didn't come so, so that He could stay at the nicest hotel. He came to be the sacrifice and He embraced that all the, way, all the way to His death, even death on the cross. Are you willing? Are you willing to be the sacrifice? Around our house, it's, it's almost a joke at times and my kids will say, I know, I know, I am the sacrifice. I am Good. I'm glad that they're thinking that way. But one day, I, one day, because one day, I, I want them to really embrace that idea. I am the sacrifice. I want to look for opportunities to serve others. If there's a job that no one else wants to do, give me that job. But personally speaking, you have to find some of your own ways to do this. But, but personally speaking, I, I've changed the way that I approach even church potlucks. Right? I used to think church potlucks, I had to get right to the front of the line and there were these big plates of food and it was a great moment and, and I'm still very much capable of that. Don't hardly even eat when I go to church potlucks anymore. If I'm at a church potluck, you know what I'm doing? You know what I'm doing? I am looking for a trash can. I'm looking for a trash can. And I'm going to spend 75% of my time picking up people's trash. 
getting somebody's kid's Oreo dessert that they smushed in the floor, I'll clean that up. You know why I do that? Because I just love to clean up smushed Oreo dessert. Thrills my soul. No, I don't enjoy it at all. Matter of fact, especially because I'm usually wearing a suit, I really don't enjoy it. You know, what I, you know why I do it? I do it sometimes to remind myself, you are the sacrifice. You are not here to be served. You are here to serve. I am the sacrifice. I am the sacrifice. Even, even, even when we deal with, with harsh treatment or, or difficulties. Turn your Bibles just real quick to, to 1 Peter chapter 2. In 1 Peter chapter 2, he talks, about, he talks about our life and he says about submission. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 18, he says, Servants, be submissive to your masters who with all respect, not only to those who are good and gentle, but also to those who are unreasonable. Right? He says, I want you to be the sacrifice. I want you to be submissive, not when it's easy. Have we all had good bosses before? Yeah, I hope so. Anybody ever had a bad boss? Right? John, keep your hand down. Okay. Anybody ever had a bad boss? Of course. We, we, we've all had a bad boss, and that's, that's hard. That, that's going to challenge you. He says, oh, that. That's when your Christianity is going to be put to the test, when they're unreasonable. This, he says, finds favor. If for the sake of conscience towards God, a man bears up under sorrows when suffering unjustly. What credit is there if when you sin and are harshly treated, you endure it with patience? But if when you do what is right and suffer for it, you patiently endure it, this finds favor with God. For you, watch this, for you have been called for this purpose. What's your purpose? People are looking for their purpose in life. What on earth am I here for? He says your purpose is to endure righteous suffering. That's the purpose he's talking about here. Since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, not just an example in holiness or in righteousness, but an example in righteous suffering for you, for you to follow in his steps who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. And while being reviled, he did not revile in return. You want to talk about some challenging statements? When he was reviled, when he was hanging on the cross, he, it's not just that he didn't do anything, he didn't even say anything. And as somebody who likes to use words, I'm, I'm blown away by that. He didn't even revile in return. He uttered no threats. He kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. Jesus understood. I am the sacrifice. I can remember one point, I, I try to push myself in this, but one point I had to do something that I didn't want to do. Quite honestly, I could have given a pretty good argument that I shouldn't have had to do it, right? Somebody else should have done this. It shouldn't have been me. It wasn't really right, but I needed to do it. But I, first, I had to talk myself into it. And I can remember sitting there before I did this thing that I didn't want to do but needed to be done. And I just said it over and over to myself. I am the sacrifice. I am the sacrifice. I, Wes, you are the sacrifice. I'm not trying to be a martyr in these things. I'm trying to convince myself of what I've been called to be and what I want to be. Right? I mean, look like a football player try, trying to get yourself up to go and, and bust heads with somebody. Sometimes we've got to work ourselves up spiritually to look more like Christ than ourselves. Let me tell you when this really hit home with me. I, I, it doesn't bother me so much to, to suffer and, and, and those things. I, 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 can, I can deal with that. But what about your children? 
Don't you hate to see your children suffer? Your grandchildren? Right? It's one thing you mess with me, you mess with my kids, and that's completely something else. Right? We all understand that? Raising teenagers at home um, about four or five years ago, uh, my, my son, who's, who's a pretty soft-spoken kid, okay? He's a pretty soft-spoken kid. That doesn't, doesn't really exert himself socially in, in regards to those things. It's kind of, you know, back of the room. He's going to be his, be his own person. But he started dealing with this kid that was picking on him. That's tough, right? Now, let me tell you something about my son that you don't know. This would have been middle school, okay? Now, my kid, my, 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 kid, my son is pretty reserved, but, but he's a big boy, Okay? In middle, school, in middle school, he played offensive line for his middle school football team. He was a guard, and they gave him the award for the offensive player of the year. That don't happen very often, does it? No. So, I mean, he could get out there, and he could whoop most of them boys up and down one side and the other. And if you want to talk later about my son and his football highlights, I'll, I'll, we'll get into that. I'm just trying to give you a, a, a key of, of, of kind of where he's at. And this kid that was messing with him... You know, it was one of them kids that they didn't weigh 100 pounds soaking wet, but they could really run their mouth. Y'all know those kids too, right? I mean, they're, they're, they're in Hammond, Texas, okay? I know that they have to have them everywhere. How do you deal with this? How do you deal with this? Now, every daddy in this room knows exactly what I wanted to tell my son about how to deal with this boy. Daddies, you know what I'm thinking? You know, I mean, I know, I know how we can handle this, and he ain't never going to mess with you again. Y'all got me? But in the back of my head, there was the Word of God. I mean, it can haunt you sometimes. You hide it in your heart. You better be careful. In the back of my head, in the back of my head, I kept, I kept listening hearing Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus said, y'all know what he said. If someone strikes you on one cheek, what are you supposed to do? Turn to him the other cheek. It's one thing for me to do that. It's another thing for me to tell my son, that's how you're going to handle this. And I'm not talking about letting him be bullied or anything. I'm, I, that all got dealt with. I'm talking about this is how you're going to handle this as a man. Because that's how godly people handle things. Because I just kept thinking in my mind, I know what I want to do. But you know what the world doesn't need more of? What the world doesn't need more of is more Wes Hazel. What the world needs more of is more Jesus Christ. I am the sacrifice. Man, this gives me tingles. I, I mean, it's kind of like hard to even say, even in this moment. But I'm just telling you, that little boy is growing up and he's a man now and he's going to be a grown man before you know it. And one of these days, man, it could be even in the church, somebody's going to not be nice to him. Somebody's going to be ugly to him. And in that moment, do you know how I want him to handle it? I want him to handle it like Jesus would handle it. I want him to handle it like Jesus would handle it. We need more of that in the world. I am the sacrifice. When people, when people are harsh and unkind, I am the sacrifice. When things, are, when things go unrecognized, I know, I'm looking around, there's so many great works that get done in the name of the Lord here at the Katy Church of Christ. And you know what? You know what? Sometimes, sometimes they get acknowledged and sometimes they don't. Listen, what, what, what are you going to do when nobody acknowledges all the work that you put into something to make something happen? That's a great thing. Are you okay with that? 
Man, I don't do it for the praise. I don't do it for the sacrifice. When I was a young preacher, John, I had, a, I had another preacher. He gave me some of the worst advice I've ever gotten, but he gave it to me pretty confidently. He said, Wes, don't ever celebrate or honor anybody. I thought, that's kind of a weird thing to say. You know why he said that? Here's what he said. Because if you do, you're going to miss somebody. He was right about that, by the way. You're going to miss somebody. His response was, he never gave honor to whom honor is due. What, what, a, what, a, what a depressing church to be a part of that would be. Listen, I'm going to miss somebody. You're going to miss... That's not why we're doing it. If you don't put my name in the bulletin, what? I don't care. I'm not doing it for you to put my name in the bulletin. But sometimes I had to remind myself of that. I do it to praise the Lord. I will be the sacrifice, even in little things like that. We've been talking all weekend about marriages. Listen, listen, would, would this transform our marriages? If, if all of a sudden, if all of a sudden you, you came in from work, you came in from work and you'd had a hard day and you know what you want to do. I know what I want to do when I come home from work. I just want to sit down. I just want to sit down and take me about a 10 minute nap. Right. And, and if she wanted to bring me something, uh, you know, a Diet Coke to drink, I'd be good with that, too. Just give me some space. Right. So that's what I want, but instead I'm going to come in and I'm going to say, you know what, she's worked hard too, or she's had the kids all day, or she's got this going on. Hey, could I help you with dinner? Could I, could, could I do this? Could I do that? Why? What you need is more important than what I want. It's the same thing. It's the same thing but that, that, that goes the opposite way. You know what she wants to do and, and, what I, and what I want? Listen, what she wants to do is, get, my wife, she wants to get things accomplished, get things done. She, and, but sometimes she'll say, hey, why don't you go sit down over there? Why don't you go, why don't you go sit down and, I, and I'll get you something to drink? You think I like that when she does that? Baby, you think I like that when you do that? Yeah, I like that. Right? Actually, it makes me want to get up and serve a little bit more. That's that energizing cycle we talked about yesterday, right? It's the mind of Christ. See, when people have all these issues in marriage, I'm just telling you I've done so much marriage counseling and it's all the same. It's all about a bunch of selfishness. People have so many struggles in their marriage because he's looking out for himself and she's looking out for herself. And nobody ever says that, oh, but they say it every single time. It is me versus you. You versus me. And what will change your marriage is when you show up and you say, and you say, baby, I am here to serve you. Honey, I am here to serve you. Let's have a contest to see who can serve others the best. You start doing that, you're going to have a happy, happy home. Right? That's the mind of Christ. If you refuse to do that, you're going to struggle. You're going to struggle through selfishness. That's the case in good marriages. It's the case in difficult marriages too. Right? We, we, we talked about that motivational factor in 1, 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 2, when, when he talks about that woman who is married to a husband who is not obedient to the Word. It's a difficult situation to find yourself in. It's a hard thing. It's not fair. It's heartbreaking. It's all the things that, that, that you know that it is. But he says, you keep on. I know it's not right. I know it's not fair. I know it's not easy. But you keep on. You be the sacrifice. I know you shouldn't have to come and sit in that church building by yourself. But you, you be the sacrifice. Can I tell you just about an hour before we came here, I got word that, that there was one of our ladies whose husband has run and run his entire life from the gospel. And she has cried and she has fretted and she has, and she has prayed over and over again for her husband. And he has run and run and run. 
and this afternoon he was baptized into Christ. All because she said, I'll be the sacrifice. I'll be, take hope in those things. Because these things can crush you. Take hope. Take hope in the things that God has told us. Don't doubt His Word. One of our brothers prayed, prayed this morning, I don't know if it was this morning or this evening, but it got into my head about, about, about we need to trust in You because we trust in Your Word. I am the sacrifice. You find different ways to play that out in every part of your life. The result, so God highly exalted Him and bestowed on Him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those who are in heaven and those on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus lived it in His own life. He humbled Himself only to be exalted by the Father. And He says to us, as we struggle to put on the mind of Christ, as we strive to be the sacrifice... He says to us, but the greatest among you shall be your servant. And whoever exalts himself shall be humbled, but whoever humbles himself shall be exalted. Matthew chapter 23. Don't, don't try to get the world to center around you. You go out there like Jesus went out there and, says, I'm, and say, I'm here to serve. What they need is more important than what I want. I'm here to be the sacrifice. You know, in, in the life of Jesus, in, in the life of Jesus, you, you know these things, that, that there was a time, there was a time that the people loved Jesus and they wanted to make Him into a king. They, they, they wanted to put a crown on His head and, and usher Him into Jerusalem. And, and the text says He just departed from their midst. There was a time that Jesus got, the people got so mad at Jesus and who He was and what He was doing, they wanted to kill Him by throwing Him off the edge of a cliff. And the text just says that He just passed through their midst. When the soldiers came to arrest Jesus in the garden, not just one, not just two, but, but this, entire, this entire group of soldiers came. You remember what happened when, when, when the Bible says that Jesus said, I am He? Every one of these grown men, every one of these grown soldiers, they fell back on the ground. Let me talk about something I'd like to, I would have liked to have seen. Jesus is standing there before Pilate. And Pilate, Pilate starts, he plays the power card on him, and Pilate says to Jesus, Do you not know who you're talking to? Do you not know that I have power over whether you live or over whether you die? Jesus looks at him and he says, He says, Well, you wouldn't have any power at all unless my Father had given it to you. Jesus goes to the cross and He hangs there and we sing about it. The Lord talks about this in Matthew chapter 26, but, 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 but we sing, and He could have called 10,000 angels. Do we believe that? He could have called 10,000 angels and destroyed the world and sent everybody in the world to hell and been completely justified in doing so. But He didn't. Now why am I telling you those things? Because here's what I want you to know about Jesus. When He left heaven and He came to earth and He put on flesh and He lived and He died on the cross, nobody made Him do that. 
Nobody made Jesus go to the cross. He chose to go to the cross. He chose it. Nobody can make you walk with the Lord. Nobody can make you serve other people. Nobody can make you think about others more than you think about yourself. Aren't there some people, if you could make them, if you could make them obey, man, I'd do it. There are some people in my, in my head right now, if I thought it'd do a lick of good, I'd just take them and I'd manhandle them and I'd sit them on that pew down there. I'd do it. Wouldn't do any good. They've got to choose it. They've got to humble themselves. I don't know where you're at. You may be the greatest servant that the world has ever seen. You may be the most self-centered individual that, that, that's ever walked in this town. I really don't know. But every one of us are striving to look more like Christ, which means we all have a great ways to go to be the sacrifice, as He was the sacrifice. Not to make a whole bunch of little sacrifices, but to literally be the sacrifice. Jesus said in Matthew 16 and verse 24, If anyone wishes to come after me, you want to follow Jesus? You want to be a Christian? You want to have a Christian home? You want, you, you want, to, you want, to, you want to be Christ in your workplace? You want, to, you want to be Christ to your neighbor? Yeah. You want to have a home in heaven? Of course, I want those things. That's why I'm here. That's why I'm here. That's why you're here. If anyone wishes to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. That is the challenge and that is the opportunity that lays before every single one of us. I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you if sin is ruling your life to repent of that sin. Maybe it's just the sin of selfishness. That's a sin, by the way. If sin is ruling your life, I'm going to ask you to repent of that sin, to say, no, I'm done living for myself. I'm going to walk in the Lord's way and I'm going to live for Him. That takes great humility to say, I was wrong, but He is right and I will follow Him. I'm going to ask you, if you're outside the body of Christ, to come and repent for the very first time and to be baptized in, into the body of Christ. I'm always shocked when people are baptized at how quickly it goes. You can spend weeks and months and years studying with someone and they come to be baptized. It's just a matter of seconds. It's just a matter of seconds. And my, my thought is usually, is that it? No, but, but there's so much more going on than just going under the water. It's a big deal because it's an incredible act of humility. The humbling of oneself. I do this because this is the will of God who I acknowledge as greater than me. And it may not be a newsflash that God is greater than you or greater than me, but I'm telling us that we struggle with thinking anyone, even God, is greater than us. So I acknowledge that when I'm immersed into Christ. To be vulnerable enough to share your burdens and your cares, that is not easy to do. That is not easy to do at all. But yet, He is the one that can give us a peace that passes all understanding if we come to Him. So He says, come to Me, ye, ye who are weary and heavy laden. If anyone wishes to come after Him, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow Him. 
to put on the mind of Christ tonight as we stand and as we sing.